Hello and welcome to our episode 122 of The Game Pit. It's another Essen special road in and we've been looking at more games. I think these people haven't heard enough about Essen from us, Sean. They're probably not <laughs> bored of us saying the word Essen, so we should say Essen more often. Well, Essen. Right? <laughs> okay, Essen, go. Essen, Essen. <laughs> I'm there with you. Yes, we, as promised, have got six more games that we've had a quick playthrough of. So just games that have caught our eye, not necessarily the hotness or the biggest, because we thought we'd give them a bit of time to mull and stew um, over in a couple of not plays. Not all of these games are actually out and released, so some of them are future looks. Well, a couple of them, yeah, but let's not tell them that, because they'll turn off now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things, as obviously is of any con, is that you get to look at some uh, future releases. So we've got a couple of those, one coming in December, one that won't be available till the summer. But we thought we'd give you a heads up, because we got to play them and we wanted to share our excitement anyway. Absolutely. So shall we just crack in, Ronan? Do you want to tell us your first game? I am more than willing to. This one is Silk, designed by Louis Ranedo from Devere Games. Silk is themed in a made-up Highlands area. It doesn't really exist. But in this Highlands area, silkworms are absolutely huge. They're pretty much the size of sheep. And each of the players are competitively can be looking to herd their silkworms around a grid of tiles using their shepherd and their mastiff, who helps them is pretty much like their, their silk dog, if you will. They can be moving them around this grid of tiles. Now, there are different terrains, different quality of fields you moved around. And the silkworms can never be on the same tile as any other piece. So as people move their shepherds and mastiffs, they're herding them to push them from place to place. You can build walls to prevent the herding. You can push, in effect, other people's off the cliff. So yeah. that they, uh, they go back into their pool. There is a monster around the place, the Yukami, who you can move. And the way you're doing that is you roll two dice each turn. There are six actions. You, whichever your dice rolls, that is the action assigned to. But you can adjust the dice by spending points to move them up or down, and the one to six wraps around. And that's what you're doing, Sean, is you're attempting yeah. to move your silk crumbs around and then take the action to feed them when they will nom, 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 and they'll eat all the food in an area and score you loads of points. And when someone hits a points total, it's usually how it's going to end, I think, then everyone gets one more turn. And then there's some end game scoring where all the silkworms will eat wherever they are. And you get some bonuses for having built walls and having enclosed areas where your silkworms are safe and for emptying your nurseries and stuff like that. So it's a, a grid spatial puzzle, which is quite unusual in that you don't directly move your scoring pieces you can move other people's on your own by moving another piece in and sort of herding them around yeah, the place. Herding them, this is exactly what you're doing. You're herding them around the board, and obviously there's danger areas and places where they don't want to be. Um, first impressions, Ronan, I thought it was quite bland, quite samey. It looked the same with a lot of other games. Uh, even the components weren't of the highest quality, but... I, I resist that. You resist it. I do. I actually was quite charmed by it. I didn't think charmed. it was Charmed? Yeah, I did. That's what I find charming because it was it was clean, it was clear. All the terrain work, that is definitely a high quality field. That's a low quality field. That's barren. Oh, yeah, for sure. The player was, colours were differentiated. It was easy to see why you were moving to and from. That's sure. what I call good components. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't pretty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, in the eye of the beholder and it, all of definitely that. that. Okay, definitely so... That. My next point to you, Ronan, is it wasn't immediately obvious what we should be doing. I think it was to you. Because <laughs> I, I know what the end score was. <laughs> so we played a three-player game. And I 
was trying to build up a sort of an area of my own and almost an economy. So there are nurseries and when you're spawning new silkworms, they come adjacent to your nurseries or where your silkworms already are. And you could tell we're all Euro players because we were all building up areas of three silkworms, three silkworms, and trying to control our own little area and destiny. And three is the maximum you can have of silkworms. And once there are three in there, it, it became a bit static. And where we set up our pieces was very defensive. And you were much better at, at using your pieces to herd and move along and sort of be like locusts. Eat a field out, score for it, flip it, move along, eat the next one. When I'm confused by games, what I do is I literally will go strip it back and say, what are, what are the one or two things that I want to do in this game? Yeah. Obviously, it's about eating, so I focused on that. Yeah, you did very much focus yeah, on eating. Yeah, so I went, I went to my home territory <laughs> and I just wanted, literally, I wanted to have my silkworms eat. And I wanted to have space for them to move into should they either be kicked out or have eaten the territory and move on to the next territory. That's literally all I thought of in the, at the beginning. And what I did with my my dog and my shepherd was put them in places to block you guys. Very simple, but it turned out to be quite effective. Yeah, because we were just far too static in our thinking. And that kind of brings me into... You said that maybe it looked like looks like other games. I don't think it looks the most unique in the world, but I just I quite I quite like the look of it. But it definitely did not play like other games. Oh no, not at all. We played this one thinking, you know what, this is gonna be a light, easy little stroll in the park and it was there was scratching of heads. There was scratching of heads for sure and it just made you think differently. It does that that little trick and it was only what, half an hour, maybe forty minutes we played. Yeah. yeah. Quick, but Every decision seemed tough. Every time you rolled the dice, it was a situation of, oh, I wonder whether I should do that or not. And what, what I'm really happy about, Sean, is that having played it once, I was sitting here thinking, there are 48 different things I could do next time I play that. But what struck me, Ronan, was that it's a dice game that you're not locked into the role you get. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you yeah. can get unlucky. Yeah. And you can get a role that really doesn't fit what you want to do next, but you can always pay for it. Yeah. You can always say, right, you know what? I really need to do this move because it affects my next one and my next one and my next one, so I'll pay the, I'll pay the points. Our scoring chances aren't 10 a penny. Like, when they're there for you, they're there for you. So, so it's one of those rare games whereby I'm going to spend two of my victory points here because I know I'm getting five back, eight back, whatever it might be. For sure. And and it's clearly worth it to you. Because a lot of times in these dice mitigation, you go, I'm not going to spend those points. It's just not worth it. But in this one, because it's so immediate, it is worth doing it. And it is worth changing those dice. And it's worth going to whatever your strategy is. I think we had a little bit of an odd game. Just that myself and Eleanor played not that great. So you were quite wide open to go along and, and load these yeah, things yeah. up. You, and... set, your initial setup really hampered you. Yeah, your, we... your shepherd and your dog were not in a position really to move, our to own move over yeah. and start really affecting me. And yeah. I put a couple of sort of loss leaders looking, <laughs> uh, looking around that I knew that he couldn't be targeted and it's and it shuffled your shepherd away from me. Yeah. So, yeah, but you would learn next time. Next Definitely, time and that's a, why I yeah, really want to, yeah, 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 I really want to play it again. Yeah, and I think my final thoughts on this one, Ronan, are I wasn't expecting much, but what we got in the end was actually a really clever little game that I'd really like to try again. Absolutely. Uh, probably my favourite game of this episode. That doesn't mean I don't like any of the others, but this was a real hit. And 
going from sort of uh, chatting to the Devere guys and this is our game for this year and going, oh, yeah, sure. You know, yeah, because well, we had heard of it, right? Mm. Into playing it once and going, well, this has jumped up near the top of my sure. to play onwards. Yeah, it was on my list to look at in essence. Yeah. So, yeah. Same here. So, big thumbs up for Silk. Yeah, thumbs up for Silk, absolutely. So, our next game is going to be 13 Ghosts by Victor Amantidis and Artipia Games. So, 13 Ghosts is a, a simple card game. Thinking around the sort of love letter type card games. I'll just scratch that note out of my notes then. because I. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're sort, of, you're sort of almost there. What you're going to do is every player gets two cards to start with. One of them has a number on it that is going to be your vault between 1 and 13, obviously. And the other one is going to be your card that you're going to play. Now, you can play that card in two ways. You're going to play it for the text on the front of it. And it'll be things like, ask the other players, is their card vault number 1, 2, 3, or 4, or 5, 6, 7, 8, or is it an odd number or an even number? And various things you can attack. But you can also play it face down, which obviously keeps it a secret, so it keeps that information away from people, and you can make a direct attack. Probably going to be more used towards the end of the game when you've got that information to go on, but you're going to ask, is yours a 7? And everybody else on the table, if they've got a 7, has to say, yes, it is, and they're out of the game, you get a point, and then you continue until everyone's Everyone who's left gets a point. Yeah, everyone who's left, yes, yeah. right, yeah, gets a point, and then the person who wins the round is going to get another point and you play up to six points. A very simple game, but it definitely has those shades of love letter about it, Ronan. Which is why you're wary, right? Because with the huge success for love letter, you're going and as soon as these cards, oh, I've made a, a game with only 13 cards in it. You use 26 for four players, by the way, but it's the same 13 cards again. But anyway, I've, I've played this game with 13 where you're trying to guess each other's cards and you think, mm, really? That sounds very familiar. There's been a hundred of them. Why is this one going to stand out from the crowd? So why is it going to stand out from the crowd, if it is? Well, I think what it does is very simple, but effective. And the big thing for me is that balance between the information that you have and the guesswork. Because every time someone plays a card face down, it just makes it that little bit harder to narrow down. So you haven't got perfect information and everyone can't just sit down and work it out exactly what you've got. And then that kind of takes the fun out of the game for me if it was like that. But you don't. And it was always going to be that guess. Oh, I've narrowed it down to two. And you, and that's, that's the theatre. I quite enjoyed also narrowing it down enough and looking at this card in your hand and going, if I reveal this information, the next person's going to guess that's going to take the next person around the table out of the game because they'll know. And then I get a guess to attack the next person. Like, oh, you're doing that sort of thinking of, right, you do the hard work for me because as long as someone else gets knocked out, I'm going to score the point. I don't have to do the knocking out. So I definitely think about that sometimes and go in, yeah, yeah. If I, I've i got this now down to a nine or a 10, so I'm just going to guess nine. Knowing if I'm wrong, Sean, the next person around will guess the 10 and then it's back to me again. Or yeah, Because you can play two to four players, right? So... I, it was a nice balance of exactly that. Yeah. How much information to reveal each time. Exactly. Only slight issue I had, Ronan. It wasn't a major issue. Is If you were one of those people where somebody literally on the very first go said, is your card one, two, three or four? And you said yes. Then all of a sudden, and everyone else said no, then you are really up against it. You're likely... For a good two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but that's <laughs> it, yeah. You're likely to be out of that round. Yeah. But as it's as Ryan said, it's like two minutes, if that, in a three-player game, especially. Yeah, and it's one of those games where it is very light, and it is 
how you get attacked is a bit random. But you're thinking it's not complete random nonsense. There's a lot of these games that, that take, you know, five minutes to play mm-hmm. that you just, I say, always say, I'd rather sit and chat to you for five minutes than play most of these games. Not this one, though. This one just had enough of a ticker. I wouldn't sit there and concentrate on it. But while you're sitting around waiting for a delayed plane, stuff like that, or <laughs> sitting around waiting for whatever, a taxi turn up or your meal to turn up, there's just enough there where you're talking to each other, you're interacting, you can look away and deal with something, pay your bill, come back, and you still know what's going on. And it was exactly that sort of perfect mm. restaurant card game that yeah. it's not going to change the world. But in terms of sort of these love letter clones, it was good. It was it was a very good one, a, a surprise hit. So, really, we're starting off with two surprise hits, right? We are starting with two surprise hits. Should we move on to one of these ones we said is going to be coming out? Go. It's going to be available in December. It's Vault of Dragons from Gale Force 9, which is kind of, uh, at least partially, certainly inspired by Sons of Anarchy, their previous game based on that TV show. And the whole idea is there's a grid of locations available, and in this one, players are raising gold fire actions and they're spending those that gold to gain adventurers, they're wizards and fighters and thieves, and they're putting them into play in the different locations. And when you're there by yourself, you control it, which gives you access to an action. Everyone gets five actions on a turn. They've got a special power action. They've got, you can if you control an area solely, you can use the action on that area. You can do that to sort of generate money, to draw treasure cards, which have various good things on there for you, to gain magic items, which will assist you, because there's two different ways of fighting in the game. If someone else comes in your area, either of you can initiate a brawl when you're going to roll dice. The wizards cost the most. They cost three gold. They roll a d12. The fighters roll a d10. They only cost one. And the thieves in between only roll a d4, but they add casualties to brawls usually by rolling a die. And you can trigger that off and you roll as many dice as you, as you have for the things that are available. And the best roll is your strength and you can add magic items to it. Or you can. there's rumours you can gain by our powers. They add to your attack strength. And most attack strength will beat up the other person and kick them out and you'll have soul control. But also, you there are ways to go through it. It's set in Waterdeep in the D&D world. And there's ways to go through the Yawning Portal into dungeons, attack the dungeon, get a certain level, earn secrets... When you've got three secrets, you open the main dungeon, which is where the dragon is. You get to have to roll a 20, which obviously you can't do with D12s and D10s because you only count one of them. But you can add your magic items you've collected and your rumours. So you're building up to be able to get that 20 score in one attack. And whoever does that gets an instant win. And it's quite a quick, around 60, 75 minutes game where you're fighting over areas in the city, looking to build up your power, your hand of cards, looking to go to the dungeon and do the final killing blow on the dragon, Sean. Yes. Okay. So we obviously didn't play the full game. We were sitting in the in the Essen Halls playing. So they what they've put together is a watered down version where you start a little bit stronger than you would start, and and it allows you to sort of hit that sort of crescendo when it does ramp up and become actually quite fast. So this is all based on that. So we didn't start from nothing as you would do in the in the main game. But I felt that. The game does need work. The demo admitted uh, to us that it does need work. The designer's a first-time designer. and Whoever he is. We whoever he is. We can't even find out who he is. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, they, they've got a little bit of work ahead to iron out some of the issues with the rule books, some some basic gamer things that gamers will pick up. But that, these, these are the, the peripheries you're talking about. Yeah. Whereby, like, so rumours age at the end of a turn. It says, gain your new rumours... 
then age any rumours you had before you gain the new rumours. Why don't you flip those around? Why don't we gain? Why don't we age them and then gain any new ones? Stuff like that. We just yeah. go, just iron out the, the slight wrinkles. But they were peripheral. I had a bigger problem with the, the, the version we played. So they set you up with treasure and items and some gold, and you were ready to rock into it. Mm-hmm. But they didn't fully do a pre-setup. So usually, after the first round, there's going to be adventurers in the city, and as soon as you make a decision to go somewhere, you're entering into conflict with someone, or you're bolstering your own. Mm-hmm. But in our version, you start with a completely empty board, which really accelerated things quickly, because you're not fighting over everything. Yeah. And then there was, and this is kind of a little thing, but there was no discard piles, and a lot of the cards interact, the treasure cards and magic cards, with the discard piles, and there were none, so cards you drew were useless. It's so little things, but the guy himself was really good and Oh, he's brilliant, yeah. He was one of those sort of special demos that sort of engages, and is funny. Really and knowledgeable. And, yeah, knowledgeable. He had like, anecdotes about not just that game, but other games. Yeah, yeah. His Firefly anecdote was amazing. So they, <laughs> him and his friends love Firefly, the board game. When they go, uh, and in Firefly, you, you do a misadventure, uh, misbehave, rather, on a planet in order to, to do missions. They pull, play full games of the other Firefly game, uh, Brown Coats and ooh, Bandits or whatever it's called, yeah, something they, like that. They pull the cards from that and use it in the... In they, yeah, like they actually link who characters they've got and they've almost housework to house-ruled it mm-hmm. to make all the characters in Firefly game appear in the other one. And they play a full game of that for every time they go on an adventure and then come back to Firefly and it takes a whole weekend. <laughs> hey, that was kind of cool. Anyway, back to Vault of Dragons. So it was a really weird experience. It was. I mean, we played one round and 5% of the next round and the game was over. Yeah, yeah. I felt, from what we saw, and obviously this is a prototype and they're still working on it, but I, it felt too open, too random... Like, if you got the card that matched what you wanted to do, happy days. Like, I got a card that said, throw this away and get a secret. And you need three secrets to be able to yeah, win the game. Yeah, like a third of the yeah. way to winning the game, but I had one card. Whereas Ronan had five cards in his hand that he couldn't use. Obviously because of part of the setup, but even though then, they were a lot worse than... Yes, get a third of the win. <laughs> yeah, they were a lot worse yeah. than that. And it felt, it felt really... There was there was balancing issues, which I'm sure they will address because I've got a lot of faith in the company, and it just felt too open. I could do almost anything that I wanted, and there was no. The whole thing was much journey. Light. It was lighter than I expected. Yeah, for sure. It was a bit of fluff. You like I said, there was no journey. There was no progress. Yeah. I know, I know, affected by the demo, but there was like I didn't feel like I was progressing yeah. somewhere. Did you get any theme out of that? Mm, I mean, this is thematic as Lords of Waterdeep. I didn't. I, I didn't even get get that far. No. Yeah, because there was no real characters or anything. Maybe they'll inject that in later. Maybe that's. This is close to. You keep saying they're going to work on this. This is norm, like on the ship. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't got, think they, they, they. This is. I've got zero theme out of it. To be there's honest. not going to be big changes to this. Yeah. Well, it's if, too late. It's too far down the line. Um, combat system was a bit odd. Combat that, system was. Yeah. Odd, for yeah. every wizard, if you had a wizard or eight wizards, it didn't matter. You roll AD12. One dice. If you had eight fighters, I mean, they're just spare lives, and you don't lose adventures very easily. The maximum you can lose is two in a combat. Yeah. It was a bit strange. Yeah, it just. Like one wizard going against four wizards has as much chance for the one wizard to win. Yeah. Just got fewer lives. Yeah. It didn't make sense. One fighter that costs one rolls a D10. Eight wizards that cost three 
Roll what, a d12. The fire might win. Yeah, quite easily. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah <laughs> but it, then, then the the rogue is really the only effective one. Because the rogue is rolling the dice where there's only two blanks and they're yeah. going to do damage up to two. And damage means you lose a character. But kill a fighter, but it's only one oh. gold. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's just. Not punishing. It's. There was lots to like. We've gone on the negative dip. I, I like some of it. It was interactive. I was thinking, oh, if I, I've got to go there to block that person because they're going to get that power. But the, the powers didn't feel different enough. It, like I said, it felt fluffy. And it, I would need to play it properly to give a full opinion. Mm. I was very excited when I heard that we were doing a retheme of Sons of Anarchy because lots of people like that one. Yeah. Um, we've both got it on our shelf of shame. We do have it on our shelf of shame. Yeah. And the friends of ours like, them, like it. I'm not convinced. No. From this place. I see, now you you said to me that it's, it's nearly done. I, I wasn't, that wasn't the impression I got. I thought that it still had a lot of work to no, be done. No, no, it's getting shipped out in December. So there, yeah, okay, well. Like our copy was a prototype, which yeah, had been shipped sure. Yeah, yeah, back, well, so. there you go. That's, my final comment was I wanted to see the journey that it takes, but if it's already nearly at its journey's end, then I think I'm going to give this one a miss. I'm going to check the rule book that actually comes out check to see if they have changed it from this version if it is very similar to the one we've played I'll be missing it as well fair enough okay the next game we're going to talk about is Showtime and it's designed by Stefan Klosser and Anna Opolzer and coming from Pegasus Spieler this is a card placement game that we talked about before in our Dan Hughes episode it was one of Dan's choices for his top 10 most excited and it's based on essentially people sitting in a cinema watching a film and the cards all affect the people who are next to them so if you you play the guy that has is too tall obviously the person behind him is going to suffer so they're going to get negative points and certain seats are prime seats they're the best place to view the cinema they're going to score you more points the seats off to the side they're not great there's a guy who's not got great hearing he likes to be right at the front and if you place him at the front you get bonus so every card has a bonus on where they're placed or what's around them and that's pretty much the whole game Ronan. in terms of the game itself and gameplay i've really only got one thing to say in that Pegasus were kind enough to provide us with a review copy. We played it, and straight away I messaged Dan, because <laughs> he's going to do reviews for kids' games with Cora, who's six, and I said, this is for you to review, not us. It is certainly a family game, but I felt that it may be a little bit mean for kids, because there are some... You can be really nasty. You can just... Someone's setting up themselves to score and there's that card that just puts down and, and you have to move them away. And Depends on the kid. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, of course, yeah. Some some are okay with that. Yeah. Because you've all got the same deck of characters. You, yeah. They know they can give it back to you. So that'll be fine. When they do it to daddy, it'll be funny. But another thing. You say that it's like for the beginners, for families... I think the scoring wasn't as intuitive as it could be for, for that level... I felt that it was, if for a beginner picking it up, it would be quite difficult. I mean, I wasn't sure. I wasn't like I was playing it and going, this is definitely scoring four, this is definitely scoring yeah, three. Even you oh. were struggling. You were the person like, okay, nobody else did it because it's just going to get confusing. Yeah. And you went through everything and it, even still you made a couple of mistakes. Other cards on your row can affect yeah. you, ones behind you can affect you. So I actually, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Yeah, it was a funny mix. Um, 
So there's a couple of other thoughts. So basically, it's not for us. It might be for families. Check out Dan and Cora on the Dice Tower or <laughs> to find out whether <laughs> he thinks it is. One slight issue that I think we have to mention with the game, Sean, is the definitely representation issues in the artwork. Yep. There's a complete lack of diversity there apart from gender. And then some of the powers, it can definitely be seen that the males are active and pride and positives and bonuses by being there and the females are more passive. And it's it's mm. not it doesn't sit quite right. It doesn't sit quite right, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, that aside, which which we did notice, I felt the theme apart from that was actually quite good and it kind of lifted it above sort of bang average you were sitting right at a sort of you know this is just an average tile war card placement game for families maybe but I thought the theme I, I liked it a little bit more because of the theme and I didn't like the theme yeah well, fair so I didn't like the theme gameplay was super light yet a tiny bit fiddly there's nothing really here for it to come back for me to come back to but the last point I went to say was so this is from Pegasus. We've also got Crown of Amara from Pegasus, mm-hmm. which is the Euro game, you know, 75 minutes, thinky, double rondel. Pegasus is huge in Germany. When you go there, you kind of realise how big they are. Yeah, They're a massive yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel like, and who am I to tell them? They need two imprints because this was strictly family game. Mm-hmm. Almost felt like it belonged in a completely different line of games to Adventure Island, Crown of Amara and whatever oh, yeah. other heavier games they've brought out. It can get kind of a bit confusing because you see Showtime from the Beastie Bar designer and you think, oh, this might be for gamers. It's not. Yeah, they do have their kids' ones, but they don't really go very old. They, they tend to stick at the sort of four, five and six mark. Yeah. And, they, and where this one might be just pushing up past that into that, Haber have started doing it. Yeah. That sort of in between range, and then maybe they've got to think about that. But that that's for them to think about. But yeah, it wasn't really a game for us, Ronan. I think that's yeah. We'll move on from there. Sorry, <laughs> all right, fair enough. We'll leave. We'll leave Showtime where it belongs. The next one is another one. I'm sorry, it isn't available. I know some people get annoyed when reviewers <laughs> go to Essen and talk about games that aren't available. But this is just a heads up because I played it and I it was good and I enjoyed it. So to keep your eyes out for it. We're going to review games that are available coming, so sorry, skip on five minutes if you don't like This is all Ronan, I didn't actually make it over to play this one. No, you didn't, so I'll just fire through quick. You might have some questions. I might. Sierra West is coming from Board and Dice, designed by Jonathan Packer-Canton, and it's going to be around summertime. So there's a bit of a wait, but I'll let you know very quickly. It's a modular Euro game, themed around the Old West and a mountain which the players are exploring. Now, there are different types of mountains within the game. It's like saying it's modular. So you're either exploring along a river or you're exploring an orchard or there's bandits in the mountain that you're trying to kill for wanted posters or there's gold in the mountain you're trying to make a mine which can collapse if you mine too quickly. And they all come with the same system and it's just a handful of cards that changes for each one. Anyway, there's also apparently going to be expansions available, small ones, that just a few cards that you can add in. What happens is every player gets a deck of eight action cards plus one action card which is specific to the scenario. You draw three cards and you're going to make a pattern. And the pattern you make is you put the three of them and they're kind of, one of them is placed higher up than the other two. And then they fit into these slots on the top of your player board which reveal certain symbols along two action rows. And the way that you arrange the cards is obviously going to change which actions are available. You've got two meeples that start on the left of these rows and you walk them along. And you can choose to move either of them and they do the actions as they go along your row. Now, there are certain spaces, like there's a banjo space, 
that stops one of your meeples and says, you can't get there until the other meeple catches up, that plays the banjo for you and then you can carry on. Or there's bears that will stop you unless you pay resources to carry on. So you like a bear. I do love a bear. So you're, you're trying to do this little spatial puzzle for yourself. You're going to end up with about nine little mini actions as you go along. And they're going to be things like boots. And boots will allow you to move along this track at the bottom, which will un be linked to the things you're unveiling so if you're doing the river module it will allow you to move further along the river which will let fishing be more productive or if you're doing the mine you'll go deeper into the mine and get access to more gold and there's always more resources if you move along there mm -hmm. as well as doing that as a multiplier for scoring but anyway the other thing you can do with boots is you can move up the mountain because there's a row of three cards available at the top of the mountain and there's a pyramidal structure and when you're on a card at the top you can dig it and if you dig it, you get to take that card and put it either on the top of your draw pile or into your discard pile. And that reveals other actions you can take. And it's by digging those cards out that you reveal these story cards, if you like. Mm -hmm. And as they reveal, they flip over and add to the bottom row and become the river, the orchard, the bandits, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Okay, other things you can do are, well, when you dig, if you're not on the top of the mountain, you can add cabins to your own little board, which you'll be able to activate in a second. You can collect resources, there's gold and there, you can turn into other things, there's food and wood and stone. You can, then once your workers have moved on to the end of the row, you choose to either put them in your cabins to activate a power, or you put them on the top of the cards that you've chosen, the action cards. Now all the, the three top of them will be available, but they'll require specific resources that you hand in in order to move up on the scoring track when you move up in the scoring track, that is the multiplier that goes with the progress track that's going to score you points. So let's say I had was creating loads of food. I can move very far up the food track, get it to the four times, and then move my dude along the progress track, get it to the five times, and that was going to be 20 points for food. Whereas my wood and my stone might be lower down. It depends on how I play the game or what resources I want to collect. What, <laughs> what then comes from that is, as you move up, you can't go beyond certain spaces unless you have a key and you get keys by unveiling the mountain. Okay. So you have to sort of unveil the mountain to be able to progress your scoring. Mm -hmm. So everything ties in together. You're kind of forced to balance. And if you move to a row and then someone else joins you, every time you move up a row, you get a bonus action. But then someone else joins you, you get a little bonus for the fact they've caught up to you. So you almost, you could shoot ahead and just go, all right, I'm scoring this. Or you can just stay ahead of people and be the first to do it and let them give you a little bonus. There's also a mule you can take when you're up the scoring track, which is like a third worker just for this turn. People can take the mule off each other. So you can go to your cabin or it can activate scoring. So there's lots of interaction with each other like that when you're, when you're thinking about different things. That's it, really. That's kind of what I have to say about the gameplay. I'll start off, Sean. The selling point is that unique action selection mechanic where you're putting the cards together. Uh, anyone who's with me today will tell you that I had a complete, clearly Essence Saturday problems because I was like, what? You do what? And then the Philip, the guy from Bordeaux, literally had to say to me, Ronan, you make the picture of the mountain out of the three cars in the artwork. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. So I was struggling spatially there. But every turn was very quick. So but you were thinking while everyone else yeah. was going board and dice are one of those companies that are very very inventive in what they do so what is i mean you can tell me if i'm wrong so what it seems if they've put a few mechanisms together you've obviously got the action selection in those cards you've almost got a deck building aspect yeah you're bringing cards into you then you've got the actual physical aspect on the board and 
all of which seem really interesting to me. But is it going to hinge on how well though that card mechanism works in selection your actions? You're actually quite flexible with the three cards because you'll leave certain in and certain ones out. So the number of choices you have is actually surprisingly... You've only got three set of different steps you can do, I suppose. No, you've got more than that. See, I'm confused by the card thing. You've got six. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing quite a lot on each turn. Yeah. So you out of the ten things you're going to do, you're basically choosing the one that you want, oh, seven of these are good for me, so I'll go with that one. Yeah, rather than having it get exactly specifically ten each time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of always mitigating. Well, I think the way that interlocks with what you're trying to do in the rest of the game, and that's what's really interesting, right. is that every single thing locks into each other. How long is this going to go? These are the two questions I always ask. How long is it going to go? And what what's the suggested play count? And how how are they going to sit? Right. So I'm not got exact answers to everything. Yeah, obviously. Still yeah, I'll, in, in your the suggested mind. player count is going to be two to four. Mm-hmm. It worked really well two player. That's how we played it. Brilliant. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, I could see it working with three, four. I don't know because. You're kind of looking at your own thing a lot, like you're right. working your own puzzle out, and then someone is doing something, and you interact. So as you develop, you know, I was saying this development track, you go along, be it the yeah, Overwatch yeah, yeah. or whatever, resources become available, mm-hmm. and so you're taking those of each other. And gold is very powerful; you can take it from there. So there is some interaction, yeah. but enough of four, I'm not sure. In terms of time, it seems to be really quick. So I didn't think that our game on the river setup would last more than sixty minutes, and it didn't. Cool. Very so. Good. That's actually one of the big positive right now. The artwork is looking good. Like the box cover looks looks really really nice with the the big mountain in the background. It was all attractive. They had like especially cut wooden pieces, so the wood looked like wood and stuff like that. A lot of them were prototypes. Like the keys were only pieces of paper. So we'll see how they look in the end. Uh, I like the fact. One of the things I didn't emphasize in such is that scoring changes for the scenario. There's different. So when there's the orchard, there are special scoring tracks just for collecting green or red apples. Or when there's the bandits, the wanted posters will score you lots of points. Cool. And how you collect them is different for each one. So it's going to so, give it a bit of longevity. Yeah, very promising. We okay. can't say any more than that come the summer. But Sierra West, one to keep your ears and eyes open for. Very good. Because I think it's going to be a good one. Okay, last up for us is Dice Hospital, which featured on my top 10 most excited for Essen. And it's designed by Stan Kordonsky and Mike Nudd, coming from Alley Cat Games. Dice Hospital... Here's what it says on the tin. You are bringing dice into your hospital and they're going to represent your patients. If they fall below a one, they're going to pass away and you're going to lose them and you're going to lose points too. If you manage to get them to a seven or more, then they are cured and they go out of your hospital and you score points. And the more you do that, you the more points you're going to score. How you're going to do that is there's going to be an intake every round where the ambulance deliver three dice into your hospital. You're also going to choose from specialists. They're going to sort of bump up the, your your resources to heal these patients. And from for special surgeries and rooms in the hospital that are going to add powers. It's just Some of these are set, are set things like you can do three yellows if they're all of the same number or if there's or a, a sequence, a one, two or three, etc., then you can heal up to three dice. You may heal one three times and things like that. So you're building up your hospital, you're adding specialists and you're trying to cure as many patients as effectively as possible. And that's pretty much Dice Tower 
Dice Tower even. I've got Dice Tower on the brain. That's pretty much Dice Hospital, Ronan. That is Dice Hospital. <laughs> You're right. where, where Dice come to die. I immediately became apparent to me over the course of the first few rounds that balance of adding new departments to your hospital as opposed to having the number of meeples to activate them and then having the right areas to activate was quite interesting in that if you have all green patients, you've managed to draft them for whatever reason, you're suddenly your yellow and red rooms are no use to you. Yeah. And all the meeples can go anywhere. Suddenly you might have too many meeples. Or if you've been taking a variety of different departments, suddenly you've got this variety and you can use them all, but you haven't got enough meeples to activate them all. Yeah, yeah. So the drafting wasn't obvious every time. It was some of it was like I need that now to save that patient from dying, or I've got a load of twos. I need this triage yeah. to, to bump them all up quickly. And some of it was a little bit longer term in planning. So, so I liked, enjoyed yeah, that. I think sometimes the the specialists you, you want to go for them because maybe you've got a lot of red dice in your in your hospital, but there were also those those blue ones that were kind of the for, paramedics, paramedics, yeah. which which activated for everyone really. They they kind of could do a little bit of everything. So yeah, it was finding that balance between getting rooms into your hospital and getting staff into your hospital. Mm-hmm. And we started off the game thinking that, well, I certainly did, thinking that it was fairly obvious that you want to get dice closer to health than closer to death. Yeah, because the problem with what you get, the bonus taking closer to death is you get first pick in the drafting. That's right, yeah. But it's a bit open at the beginning because you haven't set your pattern of your hospital. That's right. But as it went on, certainly during the middle, I think maybe it faded away at the end because you right at the end you really just don't want ones and twos or not ones and twos you have twos and threes but yeah in the middle there's certainly times when all of us would take a, a dice ambulance lower down the scale to make sure that we got the specialist that we wanted or the room that we wanted or the colours of dice that your hospital was set yes, up to treat was set up to deal with yeah, yeah. yeah so it became that we started initially the first couple of rounds worried that we're all just taking, we're going to take the fives as soon as we can. And then after a while, that came out. That pacing of the game really is almost my main thought after one play in that the first round or two, it felt really tight and those patients were building up and you get into the squeeze because you can only fit 12 in. Yeah. And once you go above that, they're going to start dying and they cost you points mm-hmm. at the end. So it felt really tight to start with. Then in that middle phase, that's where I felt like this is good. This is... I'm making decisions. I've got because beginning I wouldn't think we have a pattern set. In the middle, I've got a pattern set now. Yeah. I'm being you. I'm making decisions. I'm going for that when I draft to make a decision. And at the end, it got a bit loosey goosey because we got to heal almost everyone, and there were very few dice. We were does very powerful. Up, by but that, certainly, yeah. yeah, yeah, you certainly have a hospital that's capable of pretty much coping with anything towards the end. But I quite like that. I quite like that, that I built this thing that actually is working. It's a, it's a machine that is working for me. And I like the fact that we could start to really heal. And there was, there was two ways to go about it. Whereas I was kind of healing little chunks throughout. You and Eleanor certainly were starting off quite low, but you were healing massive amounts towards the end. You were getting your fives and sixes. We were in waves. Yeah. We were trying to like organise in waves, I think. Because so, yeah. the way the dice score is, if you can heal loads at once, you you, can't, you get more. But yeah. then what we had turns where we healed one, which really scored, only scores your points, scores you nothing. Mm-hmm. So, whereas you were kind of more consistent, healing three or four most yeah, rounds. for sure, yeah. And, and you won, didn't you? <laughs> On a tie break. On a tie break. But by one dice. By, by one, I'm, I'm over it. 
He had two patients left in his hospital. Yeah, one. yeah I know. I know that. <laughs> you don't have to Byron, go there again. I am going to bring up a negative point that Ooh. I know you agree with. Because you, you, you were consistently pointing it out. <laughs> was I? You were the scoreboard man. I was the scoreboard man. And you were the around timer man. Oh, oh yeah. I actually forgot that. Yeah, go on. Go on. <laughs> Scoreboards are little needles uh, full of syringes. Medicine. Syringes, yeah. Syringes. syringes. And they don't quite fit on where the score's supposed to be. And if they have, you have to have two on. One above so, the other. Yeah, one above the other. They kind of bang into each they other a little bit. Fit. You have to twist. And then the the actual round timer is just a little circle. It doesn't clip in anywhere. It's just a little circle. So any nudge to that With like a little space out that shows the yeah. one or the two. So, like a dial, but without being an actual dial because it's not held together. Yeah, it's not held together by anything. And given how fiddly those syringes are... You're constantly knocking on it. the same board, yeah. yeah, on the same board, right beside the scoreboard. It's just it was, uh, and given that we had the deluxe components, and we had you, the, I had the deluxe, you had the deluxe, and we had like actual, I don't care if they're cards or plastic top ambulances. Oh, come on, they were <laughs> so good. I don't know, they weren't. So ambulances, nee, nee, nah, they were just nee, a place nah. to put three dice and take them <laughs> off again. No, they were ambulances. I, in fact, dice I didn't even need there to be a place, they could have just sit out groups of three dice, it would have made no difference to me. Get out. I will. All right, I'm, I'm not welcome here anymore. <laughs> yeah, little inconsistencies in yeah. in the components, but oh, that's not the end of the way. It was a little irritant. My and now this is after one play, and we know that, and we put in the events in the game, Sean, which, ah, uh, you know, they were they were random. People benefit from the mother's mostly didn't. you. Now you're ruining the fact that it was a tie break. <laughs> you, uh, excuse me, Mr. Heal the Yellow Dice, one extra point. That definitely benefited you more that, than I got. I had a few the yellow dice lined up for that one. That yeah, yeah. One. So you, like, you turn over an event, every yellow dice you heal is an extra point this turn. Given we were all grouped very tightly, mostly, oh, Eddie had a few people die, but don't worry about that. But, <laughs> don't worry about that. It's <laughs> people. But, it's, but it was still, we were relatively tight within seven or eight points of each other, all of us. A card like that, and you happen to have four yellow dice ready to heal, and I happen to have none or one. Yeah, that's enough to decide the game. Yes, which I can understand. People like it. Not my favourite thing. Yeah, I was told to put it in by a few people, and you can name Joe. It's all right. (laughs) I'm not sure that was the best thing because it it made a very, as you said, a very tight game, quite swingy. Yeah, and. The last of my, because certainly again, this is where it's one play. I'm not sure how different it would play each time. I think that might be where the the actual event cards come in. I don't think. But that's not variety that I need. Variety no. that swings it and changes who yeah. wins is not. It's variety of there's, my decisions. There's not, yeah, there's not a massive amount of paths to victory. We've talked about two quite similar ones. Where you can sort of go in waves or you can just plod along. Yeah. And there's not much more than that, really. You can maybe save up and have one massive turn, mm. but that would be really hard to queue that up. That would be, if you could do it, it would be fantastic. It'd be fantastic, yeah. It's, it's possible, but very improbable. Yeah, especially but, with us. Yeah, so uh, your, th- your thoughts finally on Dice Hospital? I really enjoyed the first 80% of it. Mm hmm. When at the very end, when we were really kind of we could heal anything, you know, I it wasn't the best way to end the game for my taste, 
because I prefer it to come to a bit of a, a crunch rather than a explosion of fireworks. I enjoyed the play though. I would happily play again. Do I see myself playing it 10 times? Not at the moment. Fair enough. I don't think I see myself playing it 10 times, but certainly through five, eight times, I'm... That's quite be... a fine margin. Yeah, it's, eight it's, is okay, yeah. 10, is it? Up to, yeah, up to 10. I, it's very rarely I get up to 10 games on anything. But Dice Hospital at the moment is very enjoyable to me. I I like how quickly it plays. It doesn't mm-hmm. stay its welcome. I like the artwork. Let's not talk about the component side or even the little ambulances, but I love the artwork. Each, each of the rooms in the hospital has a little dice on a bed. The whole look of it. Brilliant. The whole look of it is I good. Like the, you, I always say it. I like creating things. I like building up things this that are mine. I liked, contrary to you, I liked the arc of the game. Yeah. Like, I, I loved the fact that I really was struggling at first. How am I going to do this? I and like then, that bit. But when the engine's in, I can I can just maximise it a little bit, a few tweaks here and there, and I maximise it, and I know what I'm going for, and I've worked to get that. So, yeah, it's, it's a hit for me. I'm glad I've bought it. I'll certainly be playing it a few more times. I do have some concerns down the road, but I won't, I'll worry about them when I come to them. Which and that was Dice Hospital. It was Dice Hospital. Sean... Those are the six games we're going to talk about. Anything else to discuss with regards to Essen, caught your eye, experiences? I thought it was a very professional show this time round. There was a couple of games running that I was umming and on about right up to the last minute. Same here, same here. One of them you got was Neon. I, I was thinking. Oh really? Do, yeah. Do I really, do I want a copy? Because we were we were going to try and play your copy while we were there, but it never really happened. No, yeah. So oh, I wasn't sure because it was on both of our top it ten was, lists. Yeah. And the other one was a complete out of the blue. Typical Sean go for the pretty. It was called Monster Slaughter. It's by ABC Blackfire and Karma and loads of other publishers in various different countries, and it's. A game where basically you are a team of monsters. You're like vampires or mummies or golems or witches, etc. And you are trying to kill people, basically. You're trying to hunt them down. And there's a 3D board and with all little rooms depicted on it. And it's massive. And I was really hoping it would fold down really small so I could buy it. <laughs> I went to pick up the, the box and it was absolutely huge it wouldn't have fit in my bag if it was empty it was massive so I like that was a no-no like oh well I definitely can't buy that which is probably a good thing because it might not be very good but because how much was it a lot of fun it was also 80 euros with 10% off oh that wasn't too bad so we saw one that I'm trying to remember Eleanor and I in an absolutely huge box it was a dungeon crawl kickstarter it's the biggest square box I've ever seen (laughs) it was like literally 80 centimetres on the side and 140 euro. But it looks so impressive, but there's no way of getting it home. The other two things I was really thinking about, both in Hall 4, one of them was Food Chain Magnet. Oh, I was trying to get him to buy that. The reason I didn't buy it, the reason I buy it was last year I bought Antiquity. True. And I haven't got it played at all. But for LobsterCon in November... I've got Alex, who now runs London on board. He's promising to teach me. He said he knows how to teach it, he knows it really well. So that's booked in. Alex, remember that. It was not, not silly there. The second thing, though, Sean, we both were cooing over was the big damn crate from uh, um, oh. Broken Token for Firefly. 
I've been cooing over that for a long time. 160 euros. I've, I've nearly pulled the trigger. Touching so it. The ship, so there's like a rack where you pull it out and all the ships slot into yeah, it. Yeah, they it's slide like a, in. Like a tie rack. And you've got all spaceship. the token and the racks oh. that pull out and they've got little plastic, clear so plastic good. lids on them. It looks so good. Oh, uh, yeah. And you, you don't have to set up the game. You literally just plonk the things yeah. and all, they hold all the cards for you, all the tokens. There was a Geek and Sun 60 euro Eldritch Horror one as well. Yeah, which yeah. I but again, it's weight and stuff getting it back. But speaking of Eldritch Horror, how have we not mentioned this? Oh, I got the bad boy. So <laughs> wandering around, <laughs> I was actually looking for the Stone Age Anniversary Edition in English, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was in the Asmodee store, just having a mooch. I noticed the uh, Discovery, which Ronald was interested in. I thought, oh, cool, that's out in English. I'll Discovery, which between that. us, we've bought three copies. Three copies. You, so you bought two. <laughs> that trick has worked on us so far, because that's 165 euro got. And right in the corner, there's a stack of games, and I've, I've bowled over. No, no posters around them. No, nothing around nothing, them. No, no. No, no fanfare, no buzz. <laughs> and it was the new third edition Arkham Horror. In English, the shock in your voice. They had to throw me out because I was like bathing in the boxes, <laughs> <laughs> swimming in them. <laughs> we were on the dice tower booth. I think you'd gone off to do something, and Ellie and I, and people started turning up with it, and we were like, "Because it, does it even say third edition on it?" No. No, it just says Arkham Horror. It just says Arkham. That's Horror. what I thought. So they had a box that said Arkham Horror, and they had this cool hardback rule book. Yeah, which looked yeah. amazing, and they were asking like Z and no, the famous people, Eric and stuff to sign them <laughs> and stuff like that. Well, we're standing there just you know help, trying to help, and I was like, hold on, what's oh what? But even Tom, even Tom was like, oh, I didn't know that was coming out. And then, what? Nobody knew. Nobody I, knew. I didn't know Discover was going to be there. Yeah, no, just, I like, and it was hard to get in the Asmodee shop, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, they, they weren't letting many system. people in. Yeah. I don't know if they were just trying to keep the ambience inside and give people lots of space and it wasn't hustled. Because they did have a lot of things stacked up. So if people, if there was a big crowd, those things would go for It was burn. very unessent. It was very unessent. Very controlled. It was very controlled. Civilised in there. Yeah. People were getting a little bit miffed in the queues because they can see these empty shots. The whole, as, as they had mo- a lot of Hall 1, not most of the whole area felt a little sterile. There was a huge presentation area with the stage that you didn't really engage in. There was a huge area blocked off where obviously they have meetings and stuff. And that's grand. Obviously, they're, they're there. They've got a business to do. It just, to me, that whole part of Hall 1 felt sterile. And then the shop was a bit weird. You couldn't really see what was in. You had to queue to get in. Yeah. It didn't have the S and buzz about I, it. It, it, it felt like a the shop was sterile yeah. in itself. It was, it was brilliant white, yeah. really bright lights, glass. And yeah. In there, felt... it was more like being in a jewellery shop than being yeah, in a game shop sure, it was kind of sure. oh here's our products would you but anyway yeah before we let these good people go you have been sniffing around a game today and you've kickstarted it or you're going to kickstart it I have back to us so Barrage from Crano Creations they have it in Hall 5 if you're still in Essen uh, which I didn't know because the Crano stand is in Hall 1 right next to the Asmodee shop as it happens there you go and it's not for play there that I saw but anyway when I when I was over chatting to them they said have you seen it it's in all five I was like no I didn't know that bowl over there there's about four tables of it and you can just get plays in and I didn't get to get a full play but I did get a talk through and a look at it and it's a think a Euro from Cranio you know they're known for that they've brought out Newton this time around which obviously we're really excited about I've got a copy here I'm not I hate it 
Sean then managed to get. A I didn't copy. manage to get a copy. <laughs> right. I've got a copy of, which will call ours until he leaves, and then it will be mine. Okay, I'll be leaving with it. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, I saw enough. Yep. It's a thinky row. There's water that starts as three levels to the board. In fact, on the Kickstarter, you can kickstart it to get a magnetic system that holds it as a, a triple tier board. So you can actually mm. physically get it. But the water starts at the top and there's courses that it runs and it triggers other areas on the board as you put your people on there. And you can build up different buildings on there. And it's a very interesting trickle down system. I just kickstarted for the plane board that sits on the table. I don't need a 3D board. It sounds interesting. It, sounds it really, really it, interesting, it's, yeah. And having a couple of people who did playtest um, play it saying, that's the most innovative game I've played at Essen. And it's a thinky Tiro Euro. And Cranio, uh, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And the delivery, estimate delivery is only April. So you're not hanging around forever. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go and have a sniff to it. Yeah, they, they, they persuaded me to part with my money. So... Barrage is is one on Kickstarter. Very good. Um, I did promise I spoke to Lucky Duck. I know we spoke about them um, whenever it was. Last time. Last time out no. we talked about True Crime. Uh, oh, Connor was a crime. crime yeah. I promised them I'd mention Mutants again on the 30th of October because I did like it and they was like, oh, thanks so much for saying you like the game. Can you mention it again? <laughs> All right, so I will. Mutants goes live 30th of October. Same day as Project Elite. Same day as The Ever Rain. Oh, there's two more Kickstarters that were there. <laughs> Ever Rain, there wasn't a lot of it on show. Was there, there wasn't a lot. Well, I was a bit disappointed. I thought after seeing it in the UK Games Expo, um, this is the same company that did uh, Village Attacks, and after seeing it there, I really was hoping to see a little bit more of Ever Rain. But they had the same display from what I could see as they had in the but UK that was Games enough to Expo. Get you. But after hearing about it in yeah. the Games Expo, I was proper excited about it. But anyway, Ronan, we've witted on for long enough. Jolly good. Thank you very much, Ronan. Thank you, Sean, for a fantastic SM weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Eleanor, when you're listening, for all your help. You've been brilliant. She's done two and will be three videos, videos for us, and they're fantastic, and they really, I think, capture the essence of Essen in the halls. She's likely to be on here chatting about some of the games she's played absolutely. sometime in the next month or so. Thank you all the people who can't said hello more than ever. We yeah. had people coming up and our most successful SN ever for people coming saying hello. I think the pit crew worked well. I think, yeah, you can tell who we are. <laughs> so if you saw people with pit crew on the back, it was us. We weren't we didn't work in at a stall. We weren't there to fix anything, it was us. Look, people come up at the stall at Dice Tower booth saying hello, people going us in the hall and saying hello, at the uh, toilet, wherever it was, people would come and say hello to us. Really, thank you so much. Absolutely. People we recognise from the guild or around board game geek or whatever. So it's lovely to put a face and a name to someone. Thanks to the Dice Tower guys for their hospitality. We had really good fun seeing Anna again and obviously Dan. All yeah. The, yeah, oh well, not Dan. Not fun with Dan. Not Dan. But not it, we saw Dan. We saw him. Okay. Z, Sam, Z, Sam Eric. Tom, didn't we really see Tom? Uh, he was in and out. He, can't, he gave me really a bit of him, abuse <laughs> as he went by. <laughs> he had his Spider Man blazer on, so there was that. He's looking well, though. Um, and thanks everyone who was there and contributed in any way to us having a fantastic weekend. Super excited to be getting some videos going for you in the coming week and onwards. So have a look for those. And of course, some more podcast coverage. And as always, we are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to download our episodes, we're on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes and Spotify. And we do, of course, have our YouTube channel where we have our pit stop videos and convention coverage. E- 
are on social media. We have a Facebook page. We are on Twitter at Game Pit Podcast. Or also have our Instagram account. There's two ways to contact us, and that is by email at thegamepitpodcast.gmail.com or pop along to our Board Game Geek Guild. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Music. Over for another year, Ooh, boy. Boy.